Today's episode of The Landing is brought to you by friends of the podcast, Axis Forestry. Axis Forestry manufactures the all-new Rebel processor heads and the Cypress Robotics controllers. They also manufacture parts for multiple brands of processing heads, so check them out before your machine goes down. The guys at Axis are a great bunch of folks who stand by their products and are committed to getting you up and running, making money, and doing it quickly. If you haven't checked out the Cypress controller yet, head on over to Axis Forestry website. I'll have a link to that in the show notes. The Cypress controller can be retrofitted to any brand of head, and it's a game changer for any logging operation. It's rugged, reliable, simple to use, simple to install, and competitively priced. For a limited time, exclusive for the landing listeners, mention this podcast when ordering a new Cypress system and get a $500 parts credit. that goes into the brush with foresters, contract loggers, and operators of the Pacific Northwest timber industry. Welcome back to The Landing, everyone. I'm your host, and tonight's guest is Rick Lawrence. Rick, how you doing, buddy? Good. How are you? I am good. I'm a lot busier than I thought I'd be this winter, and it's not a bad thing, but uh, I didn't figure I would be this cramped on everything with time, you know? Oh, you aren't kidding there. I, uh, everything happens all at once, it seems like. Yeah, right. At least I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh, down here in our area with the Dunes Golf Course and everything, it just seems like everything's blowing up all at once. So you're down <laughs> out of Bandon then? Yes, sir. Yep, right here on the coast next to the golf course. I'm about three miles from the golf course, actually. Oh, gotcha. So are you an avid golfer? Uh, I wouldn't say avid. I'd say <laughs> I drink beer and hit golf ball. Oh, 10, four, <laughs> 10, four. How long have yeah. you, did you grow up down in Bandon? I don't know a lot about your like backstory. So I'm going to dig into that for everyone to hear, I think. Yeah. So I was, uh, born and raised Well, I was born in Coos Bay and raised in Bandon. And I've been here left off and on for, oh geez, I was gone for about a year in the military and then uh, came back and I've worked out a sweet home, uh, doing different jobs and yeah, I've pretty much been here most of my life. Right on. How'd you like living in sweet home? Um, it was all right. Cause I didn't know Ryan Kirkpatrick at the time. Oh, 10 four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. I think he was probably, uh, just getting out of high school when I was over there living over there. Well, he's a knucklehead townie now anyways. Mm-hmm. It's not, yep. a, it's not a real coasty. No, yeah, I think he's from uh, Myrtle Point, isn't he? Yeah, I think so, something like that. Yeah. So, you just kind of recently got into logging, or I know you recently bought, like, a shovel and stuff. Like, what made you want to get into the timber industry? Uh, Well, I guess uh, most of my mom's side of the family's all been kind of loggers of sorts, cutters, cat skinners, road builders, what have it, and that's kind of what I wanted to do. I just didn't have the money to bankroll the equipment out right just out of the gate. So I got into excavation first and then, um, built my first road for a logger and then a job popped up and I had a cat and just went after it. And that was about, Oh, November of last year. So we're trying to hit the ground running and see what happens with it. It seems like you've been staying busy. Yeah. Um, 
that's actually been, I think, our saving grace for the most part is the logging and building road, which I don't know why anybody here on the coast would want to build road in the rain this time of year, but <laughs> I mean, it pays the bill, so I'm not going to complain a whole lot about it. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. So how long have you had your excavation business? I started oh, April 2019 in excavation and I've been doing home sites and little driveways and picking up odd jobs here and there and a little bit of tree work here and there too, just like hazard tree removal, climbing and whatnot too. So um, just a little bit of everything, man. I try to dabble in everything and anything to make some money. Well, it kind of seems like with that area down there too, you kind of have to be a lot more versatile, versatile. I don't know how to say it properly, but you've got to kind of be the Swiss army knife of contractors down there to stay super busy. Don't you? Yeah. Like, uh, I just did one down here on Stewart lane. That was probably a four acre log job that, uh, a road build into it. And then a home site trench and utilities, all of it, one shot. And then we've got another one we're going to after that. So, I mean, yeah, it, it definitely helps if you can hit the, all the nails and, or all the, the nail with one head. I don't know what I'm trying to say here, <laughs> but yeah, if you try to get it all at one time, then yeah, it just makes it a lot easier on the client rather than having a bunch of different contractors coming in and out and in and out. No, that's pretty cool. I never thought about that. Cause even just to do the dirt work, you're still dealing with logs and stuff down there and trees and brush. Yeah. Yeah. We've, uh, we've stacked up a lot of firewood in the past before we realized we could make money selling logs. So, um, geez, I think I did a job year before last where we stacked up two acres worth of logs and the guy, I think he milled most of it, but we probably turned quite a bit more of it into firewood than we should have. Yeah. Copy that. So how does that work? I guess it's probably not my business, but how does that work? Like if someone hires you out to build a house pad, and you know say there's four acres of timber there do you just like work that into the bid and you sell the timber does it come out of you know how does all that work with the the client i'm sure every job's probably different so i guess uh this is kind of new to me too so i've been working with a local fellow around here that does a management for forestry and private timber owners and stuff like that he hired me to log and he gave me a board foot price on that and then i do my bid on the home site um for doing the pad the driveway the backfill trench and utilities and all that um after the fact when they're ready to do that so it's kind of like they bought it as a development project and then we do it in stages okay no that makes sense so they had they hired a consultant to run through the logging side of it and then the dirt work is a whole separate part yeah, essentially, yep. And then I just kind of wait on that call and hope that it doesn't hit me right when I'm super busy, as everything always does anyway. <laughs> Dude, that's how I feel. It's like once you schedule one thing, everyone wants something that day or the day before or the day after, and you're like, ah. Yeah, it's, uh, and I hated this because in the military, it was always hurry up and wait to figure out what I was doing next. And now I'm having to tell people, well, I guess you're going to have to hurry up and wait. I'm sorry. So kind of a catch 22 there. Yeah, it happens though. I've got a, a job down in Texas actually. And then I was supposed to leave, 
Tuesday morning to go to that and uh, this coming up Tuesday and uh, they emailed me the other day and they're like hey I hope you haven't bought your plane tickets yet because this uh, job just got pushed back maybe a week maybe who knows and I'm like okay I mean it's out of totally out of their control but it's just like oh come on yeah that doesn't help anything because now everything else gets pushed back and trying to move stuff forward is usually harder than pushing stuff backward. Yeah. And yes, no, you're definitely right about that. And it, it just seems like, um, that's part of business though. Like the people that can juggle the best get the furthest is what it seems like. Yeah, I didn't, that's, I tell the guys all the time. We were just starting out with a star of hope login and it seems like we're more of a circus act than anything. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to figure out where we fit in at this point And, doing as many jobs as we can to get where we're going. And it seems to be working so far. So we'll see where the next couple of years goes. So has that been kind of hard trying to figure out, you know, like what your niche is in the market and what you're going to make the most money doing? Is that kind of a weird, you're just trying to feel it out so far still? Um, yes and no. I think the weirdest part for me is if I had a crew of people that was well enough trained or good enough that we could split off a few guys here and there, um, then it might be a lot easier on me. But at this point I just hired my cousin short term before he goes back to the forest service fighting fires and, uh, he'll be gone in a month. So it's like, well, um, here we go. Let's hopefully someone will show up that wants to work. Yeah. I mean, everyone has that problem, but it seems like, you know, places like Bandon and these further out communities, it's even harder to find people that'll show up every day. Yeah. It's, um, I try to hire, uh, my friends cause I, I know where they live. We hang out together anyway, which also poses another issue is working with your friends and <laughs> trying not to be too much of an asshole at work. So you still have your friendship after work. Um, but that way I always know where they're at. And I mean, if they have anything, they come to me and vice versa. But, um, it seems like I might have to branch out and it seems like everyone else I've talked to, they get a guy that'll show up for a week and he'll collect his paycheck and be gone for four or five days. And it's, that's kind of hard to want to put effort into training somebody, even young guy or an old guy that doesn't want to put out the effort. Yeah. That's wild. I don't understand how people live like that. Yeah. I, I've got enough bills that I don't think I could live like that. <laughs> well, that's just it, right? Like, don't get me wrong. When I was a road whore welder, I totally had this like attitude and a big chip on my shoulder that like, I'm not doing that, dude. I'll just drag up and go to the next one. But it was never like, you know, miss four or five days and then come back and act like nothing's wrong. It was always just like, you know, you're working seven twelves for three months straight or whatever. And then you're just like, yeah, I'm burned out. I'm going to take a couple of days off and move on to the next outfit for three or four more dollars an hour. It wasn't, I don't know how these people will survive. I mean, I think right now is the perfect time. I mean, the, without getting too deep into politics, the government's willing to give you money and there's enough jobs out there where you could bounce around anywhere you wanted to go at this point. It seems like, yeah, I don't know. It just seems like, um, <clears throat> that catches up with you at some point as well. You oh, know. for sure. Like I yep, kind of, I totally uh, agree. Yeah. 
I kind of saw both sides of that where it was, it was pretty fun. You know, you get pretty mad at a boss or something and you walk in and, Hey, I'm, I'm out of here. You know, it's, yep. It's Go quite, pound sand. I'm going yeah, somewhere else. Yeah. It is quite <laughs> rewarding when they're mad at you and you're like, you know what? You can't be mad at me no more. Cause I don't work for you. Yeah. That's like, I always said, I was looking for a job when I found this yeah. one. Well, now I created this one and I can't really get away from the damn thing that easy. Yeah, it's like a little monster living in your house. You just got to keep feeding it how the businesses are. Yeah. Well, the boss is still an asshole, so at least that didn't change. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and now at least you know for sure you'll never make employee of the month. Yes, that's right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some of the challenges that you face, uh, especially being down there where you're at, to keep your business going? Like, <clears throat> I guess what I'm trying to ask you is, like, what's the hardest part about being in business oh that's a that could be a very long-winded question i feel like but um i feel like for me i was never really in much of a management position so i just kind of jumped into this on a whim one of my buddies was a contractor here building houses and the dirt work guy quit and i said well shit i think i could run an excavator and off i went running and didn't even realize all the other stuff that come behind it. So I think uh, that's probably my biggest part about it is trying to figure out the business aspect of it on the backside. Cause I could go to work every day and work geez, 18 hours a day and not have an issue, but sitting behind a computer and doing the computer aspect of it or paperwork, that's, that's, I think the hardest part and finding someone to trust with your books and whatnot too is another big thing in this area as well. Yeah. That's one thing. Like I'm not even full time at it yet. And I still sit here and pull my hair out sometimes, you know, especially this time of year, it's tax season. I'm trying to get everything rounded up and I do a pretty good job of keeping track of everything all year, but still it's like, I want to send stuff to the bookkeeper. That's like presentable and doesn't look like I just live in a pickup. Yeah, if I could uh, figure out a way that I could just come the new year, all my tax stuff is already done and I didn't have to do anything, I think I'd be a very rich man. Because yeah, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of guys I think that would jump on board with that and start opening up their own business. Oh, yeah. If you had some way, a business that could make that happen, you'd be so rich. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because that that's absolutely, I think I don't think the work's an issue down here. The weather's not even really terrible thing. We're used to it. We're like ducks. I mean, they just let it roll off our back. But yeah, the computer work for me or business side of it, definitely a struggle. So that's another thing I want to ask you about too, is with the weather down there, the dirt's kind of used to being rained on and wind blown, you know, nine months out of the year. Do you ever have to shut down because it's too wet? Yeah. Yeah. We, we definitely have days where, uh, we get three or four days off in the middle of the week and try to work through the weekend when it's nice again and keep powering through it. And if we're really in a bind that it's got to be done right now, then I mean, it's got to be done right now. And sometimes you just got to be ready for it. And I, I work a lot for Highline. So we, uh, most of the time when I bid one of those jobs, it's like, Oh, I'd say six months out from when I actually get there. So I'm always expecting, okay, well, I'm probably going to be doing this one in the rain. So I'm going to add a little bit more rock just to keep the mud down. And that's just kind of one of those things you just 
focus in on. And that's where I'm struggling learning the logging side of it too. Cause I mean, you had too much rock to logging and there goes all your profits you're making off of wood too. So that's a, that's a whole different ball game. Yeah. I'd imagine that's kind of a balancing act. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, the, Oh yeah. The less rain we have, the better off we are, but I know we need it, but um, yeah, I'm enjoying the rain and the, what it's been lately has been pretty nice. Here's a couple skiffs and, uh, hasn't been too terrible. So that's been nice. Do you guys do like firefighting and all that stuff too, or just, just the dirt work and the logging now? We have not got into firefighting yet. It's something I've thought about because I, I did work, uh, three seasons at CFPA when I was just getting out of high school. Um, and I've always been kind of intrigued about that, but it's kind of hard to dedicate a machine all summer long to something when I'm still so small and I rely on all my machines to do all my work that I have as well. So, uh, maybe in the future, but as of right now, no. Gotcha. No, that makes sense. It's hard to pull a, pr- a machine off production. That's going to pay the bills for sure. Just to have it wait for maybe a call. Yeah, and then you got to have a guy to drive, low boy it over there, and a guy to operate it too. So then I'm just even more shorthanded, or whoever's working with me back here is shorthanded. So yeah, I think uh, yeah, we'll probably avoid that at all costs. <laughs> Copy that. <laughs> no, I know it's um, I know a lot of guys that are smaller outfits. You know, and some of them kind of look at it like you do. Like we have work that we need to get done, and I can't you know, pull equipment off. And then I know some other guys that they kind of prioritize their year around fire season and that's just what they do. And it's, um, it seems like people are either one or the other. There's not very many people that are like, yeah, we do it sometimes or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think I've, I've heard that a lot too. And, um, like if something happens around locally, then I wouldn't mind donating my dozer and some time to as however that works out. But, yeah, like I think you pretty much nailed it there. It's either you're all in or you're all out at that point. Yeah, I, it seems like it's set up that way. I don't know for sure, like how all of that works, but it really seems like you kind of have to either be all in or all out with the, you know, with the force service or whatever. Yeah, I think that kind of makes sense because it's like like owning a dump truck. If you get on with say Knife River or Tidewater and you miss one day, then you fall back in the line. And then after a while they stopped calling you. So it kind of makes sense in that aspect of it to me is the way I was described. But like you said, I don't really know per se how it worked. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So what did you do for CFPA? Uh, So my first year I was just a firefighter and then I took on a forest officer job um, after that. And that was my, well, no, so I was a forest officer, force firefighter for two seasons. And then my last season, I was a forest officer. So that's where you go around and inspect logging operations, do the IFI inspections and flash burning stuff and stuff like that too. So that seems like a pretty cool job. Yeah, it was, it was really good. I think I would, uh, enjoyed it a lot more. I just enjoy camping a lot more and having my summer. (laughs) <laughs> to be able to say, hey, I can pack up for a three-day weekend and go camping and hanging out on the river rather than have to wait by my phone. Yeah. No, that's understandable. 
I was just going to ask you something that I totally forgot what it was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to small business. Yeah, no <laughs> shit, right? <laughs> do you ever get, like, how do you deal with the, because you work a lot with homeowners and stuff, right? Yeah. So yep. Have you ever had anybody, like, stand you up on getting paid? Like, how do you deal with that? Um. So most of the time, the way the CCB works is you, Everything over $2,000 in Oregon, you have to have a contract for anyway. Okay. So there's there's ways that the CCB and the Oregon wrote it out that uh, mediation and sending bills a certain amount of time and then taking it to small claims court. Luckily, I haven't had to have that happen yet. I've definitely had a couple of times where it's taken them a lot longer than it should have to pay me, um, but it always seems to work out in the end. and. Uh, I think really the worst part is just underbidding yourself on some of those home sites when you have no idea how to bid or even where to start bidding. That was the biggest thing in the beginning. How'd you get through that? Cause I would imagine that you could really mess yourself up, you know, especially with the dirt over there. Like it's either Rocky or it's clay or, you know, you, it's hard to tell sometimes. Yeah, we've got a little bit of everything. We've got sand, um, clay, rock, like you said. There's everything. And uh, I think the best way I can put it is I started off kind of small and just took baby steps and lost small amounts of money enough that I learned, okay, that's I need to focus more on that next time and measure here and measure this. And so it becomes a lot more measuring and math, which I also am not too <laughs> fond on, which... Uh, yeah, I think losing money is how I learned how to start bidding better. <laughs> That's what it seems like, right? You learn your best lessons, you pay for them the hard way. Yep, a trial by fire, always. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that too is kind of what separates people who want to be in business for themselves and people who don't is like, you kind of got to have a wild hair up your ass most days and just go, well, shit, I could figure that out. You know what I mean? Like where most people will be like, nah, you know, I don't really want to take that kind of risk. Yeah. No, uh, my, some of my family members tell me all the time that I, I've got to be crazy doing what I'm doing. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of moving parts and especially when home sites start kicking off again, cause they're starting to kick off here. Oh, the, we had a little bit of dry weather. So everybody's decided that now we need to get our home sites rolling again. <laughs> so yeah, it, it definitely makes you feel a little crazy, but once the money starts coming in, like it does, and the work starts going out the door and behind you, it, it, it just all kind of works out and you feel just as crazy as it did when you started. Right. <laughs> so what typically goes into that? Like a home site, I guess <clears throat> I know it's a like timber industry podcast, but it's all kind of tied in with you. So what's the process like to get one of those jobs and then seeing it through? Is it just where, you know, a contractor who's building the home calls you or do the homeowners call you or how does that work? So, uh, that's actually a pretty good question because there's several different ways like, uh, the Highline, the Dare, the track home style guys. Um, when you call them to have your house built, they give you a handful of cards or a handful of names and say, here, call these people and see how that goes. So most of the time it's for them, it's by the homeowner calling you and whoever they recommend over there. 
which is all by word of mouth, how well of a job you've done the last couple of times for them is where they'll put you on their list. And then contractors are the same way. If, If they like you, they'll, they'll recommend you. If they don't, uh, they won't. So it's really for me, I, I don't do much advertising besides on Facebook, just posting a couple pictures for picking up small jobs here and there. And then the rest of it's, uh, just highline and contractors and word of mouth. That's cool. I did want to dive into that a little bit with you too, is the impact that social media has had on your business. Cause I, um, I'm pretty active on like Facebook and Instagram and I kind of get on TikTok every now and then, but like without social media, I wouldn't have any kind of a business. I don't think right now. And I feel like a lot of people overlook the amount of reach you can get, you know, on Facebook and Instagram. Oh, absolutely. Like I have people call me and I, I say, Hey, go take a look at my Facebook or, my Instagram and that's all my pictures of past jobs. And the landing podcast is brought to you today by Axis Forestry. Axis Forestry released their all new Rebel T22 processor head in December of 2022. The Rebel T22 was designed specifically with the North American logger in mind. This head is tough, it'll cut up to 23 inch wood and can be ordered in a variety of feeding torque options. For just a $1,000 deposit, you can get your name in the production queue for a head. Call Axis at 778-471-2947 to order. Again, that's 778-471-2947. To see what they have to offer at the upcoming Oregon Logging Conference, February 23rd through 25th, swing by booths number 168 and 169 in the exhibit hall. Now back to the show what we've done is that's kind of like a portfolio essentially. Um, and it's been super handy to have that. And, uh, I think it's a great tool to utilize for not only where I'm at, but even like the timber industry side is to show us what we're doing on our side of the thing and the fence. And we're not all bad guys. Like you were talking with Dick Gilkison about. Yeah, I think it's, like, even if you're just getting on there saying like, oh, hey, you know, I cut this tree today and look at the sunrise. It's still, you know, showing people like, hey, I'm out here. I'm a real human being. I'm not just this in air quotes right now. You can't see it, but, uh, you know, <laughs> big timber, right? Like the industry got such a bad name over the years that people just think it's some one big corporation clear cutting the wet Pacific Northwest. And I'm like, man, it's not at all that, but I feel like it starts, you know, it has a start somewhere. And I think social media is one of those places that all of this can start is changing the public perception of the industry. Yeah. I think you're a hundred percent accurate there. And like my family's told me for years working them working in the industry is that, Timber is no different than any other crop. It just takes a lot longer to grow. No, for sure. And, you know, on top of that too, like the business side of things, like you're saying, you literally have an online portfolio, you know, for customers to go, oh, well, we want a home site. And you can be like, oh, hey, I posted one of those, you know, January 14th, check it out. Like check out my Facebook or Instagram or whatever and see the work that we do. You know, they can see the equipment, how well it's all kept. And I feel like that's a pretty easy way 
you know, and it's a lot less expensive than either building your own website or hiring something to build you a website. Like social media is free, dude. Yeah, for sure. And that's another thing too, is like, uh, people that'll call me for, say they're calling me for a driveway repair to come out and smooth out their driveway and add some new rock to it and compact it back in. And they go through my Instagram or my Facebook and they see pictures of me doing some land clearing. And then they're like, Hey, uh, can you clear out these huckleberries over here too? And give us another space so we can set up a picnic table and maybe a couple hammocks. And so it's worked out great too, because it's not only like you're, we're saying a portfolio, but it's leading to other jobs by them seeing me doing multiple different things across the board. Yeah, that's just it. Cause you would have never known that they even wanted all that, you know, brush cleared out, but they seen, right. you know, you do a job like that and they're like, well, Hey, while you're here, you know, we'll, we'll pay you an extra day or whatever it takes to do this other job we want done. Right. And that's another thing with homeowners too, that I, I love them to death, but, uh, sometimes they don't exactly know what they want when they first call you and you kind of have to be a salesman at the same time, not just for yourself, but for everything else that goes into it because most of these people are first time builders and have no idea what goes into doing a home site. So it's, and it's, it's quite, quite a bit for somebody that's never done it before. I feel like that's one of those tasks that, um, if people aren't used to doing it would be pretty overwhelming right out of the gate. Yeah, I can tell you, uh, I was definitely overwhelmed when I did my first actual full home site. And, um, the contractor told me all the, this list of stuff that he relied on me to do. And I was like, wait a second, you're asking me to do what now? (laughs) Um, (laughs) I can dig the dirt and move the dirt. I didn't realize you needed me to put conduit in the ground and, uh, call for locates and watch out for wires in the ground too. Like where did this all come from? Oh, that's wild. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I see some of these outfits and they're like, well, we can't find people and we can't do this or not. You know, and I'm like, get on social media and start pushing it. And you know, obviously it's not going to happen overnight, but like get on there, share your story, dude. Just show people what you're doing. Like, everyone does this all day, every day. So it's really not that interesting. Right. Like that's what everyone tells me about the podcast, right? Like Brett Gilkison. I was like, Brett, I want you to come on the podcast. And he says, well, Jason, you know, I'm not that interesting of a guy. And I'm like, well, you think that cause you're you, you know, I think you're a pretty interesting dude. And everyone that I've talked to that listened to this podcast was like, man, that was incredible. You know? And it's just one of those things that you got to kind of look from a different perspective than your own and think like, you know, what's somebody in a big city think about how we're building a house on the coast. They don't realize that. Whoa. Sorry about that. You know, they don't realize that all the work that goes into building a house pad and maybe they're thinking about building a vacation home or something over there. So it's like, you never know what people are up to and it just helps to get your name out there. Like, uh, I don't know. I just feel like people don't use it enough you know a lot of the older guys are like i'm not getting on that stupid i'll put an ad in the paper well dude i probably never bought a newspaper in my life for myself yeah i never once i think i may have looked up the news a couple of times on my cell phone but that still doesn't even count that might as well be social media at that point 
Yeah, right. Like most of the news I get, I follow some news outlets on Facebook and I'll scroll through and read what I want to read. And the rest of it, it's like, well, it is what it is, you know? Yeah. Yep. hundred percent. I, I think that's also a good caveat to that as well as there's also got to be a fine line of too much too. Cause I will definitely find myself on there <laughs> watching say Ryan Kirkpatrick or Jim forestry running their bunchers all night long and being like, man, I need to have one of those. So it can also lead to spending more money than you actually have too. Cause I don't need a buncher. There's no, no need for me to have one yet, <laughs> but I definitely think I do. Dude, that's one of those things. Like they're just badass. It, it is. It's gotta be one of the coolest tools in forestry. I think. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. They're pretty neat. Especially the new ones, yeah. dude. Like, they are Cadillacs. Yeah, I think the newest one I was ever around was an old Timber Pro, and, or a newer Timber Pro a couple years back, building road for a job they were logging up on Langlois Mountain down here. And um, the Timber Pro I was around, it was always broke down, and then they had an old 959 John Deere that was working on another side on the same ranch. And that thing was running every day with like 17,000 hours on it. And that Timber Pro had probably 2,000 hours on it. Yeah. And I was like, well, maybe, maybe the old stuff is still pretty good sometimes, but I hear good and bad about every machine. You know, I think it depends too on like what you need it for. Like, um, some of the older K series John Deere's like, like you're saying 15 plus thousand hours, some of them will go that far, you know, with fairly minimal maintenance for a high hour machine and you know others get run so hard every day that like you don't want to buy it used when it's got five thousand hours on it i think that's the way a lot of used equipment is yeah i i couldn't agree with you more that was when i was uh before i bought the john deere excavator the little 85g i bought i uh was just getting into everything and looking around at all this used equipment and it's like everything that I went and looked at that was used for a good price was it looked like it'd been ran like a rental machine. And I know how I run a rental machine. So <laughs> I definitely don't want to buy a rental machine. And so I just decided, you know what, I'm going to take the plunge and buy brand new and do the maintenance right and take care of it. And so far I've been pretty damn happy with my excavator. I think I got 2,400 hours on it or something like that. And I haven't had any problems with it besides maybe breaking a hose just being a dummy in the brush a couple of times or something like that yeah that's gonna happen with anything though yeah you get you get complacent you think you've done everything a hundred times and you know what you're doing and you make one mistake and bam there it is so yeah it does happen and that's definitely the cool part about this logging thing is i don't really know what i'm doing i've never ran a shovel before until i bought the damn thing and started loading trucks and talked to the truck driver and I was like, Hey, I've never done this before. <laughs> so you're going to have to kind of walk me through as we do this. And been running the shovel a couple days. So I got a little bit of a feel for it. And he started piping off numbers to me on the CB. And I asked him, are we playing cribbage here? I don't know what's <laughs> happening. And he's like, no, those are points for weight, like front and back of my trailer. So I'm legal. Oh, all right. Well, that makes a little more sense then. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. <laughs> That's funny. So, it's, uh, yeah, it's all a learning curve, and I, I tell you right now, I've definitely went through a couple grapple hoses. I've got probably four in the spare bin of my pickup right now, just in case. 
No, that's a good, those are good hoses to have with you. Yep. That's, I found that out pretty fast. So how far is it? Like, is there a hose shop down there somewhere? Yeah. So, uh, Napa here in Bandon, you can get your, your hoses built there or, uh, industrial resources, um, is another, uh, more of a local shop. And I typically try to go to him more often than not keep my money even a little more localized as I can. But when he doesn't have something, I switch back and forth between the two, depending on what they have. Gotcha. No, I wondered too, because some, some places, you know, you're pretty well out of luck if you blow a hose. Yeah, I haven't ran into one yet that I haven't been able to get built here in town. Um, but parts on the other side, like uh, we just had to rebuild the grapple seal or do, reseal the grapples. And um, that it took a couple days to get the parts for that. But, I mean, I kind of expected that, too. Yeah. On the cylinders or the rotary manifold? On the rotary. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those are weird ones. Yeah, and it's uh, Pierce Grapples, too. So um, our local cat shop supposedly has most of the parts, but it's one of those things they just didn't have at the time. Yeah. No, Pierce is pretty good, dude. A lot of their grapples, like, I worked on a lot of Pierce Grapples in my life, and they are pretty good about stocking parts, at least in Portland, you know, like where they make all that stuff. So it's nice that, you know, <laughs> they're probably the same seals in your grapples that they have in the rotary manifold and the new grapples, you know? Yeah. When that's handy too, because I mean, even then the worst, worst case scenario, I'm only down half a day or a day waiting on parts to be overnighted from Portland. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not horrible. So what, uh, you've got that little, that's a 2054. Yep. Gotcha. And then what's your dozer that you bought? Is that the uh, we, cat, right? Uh, it, so it's a D4H TSK Series 2, I think is what it says. So I think it's supposed to have grapples, but it's got a winch and a high arch on it. So we mostly use that for cable logging. Those things, you got to be careful with those machines, man. They'll pull themselves in half. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's <laughs> a 50,000-pound heister winch on the back of it, and I'm used to running... When I was a younger kid, we did what we called gentleman logging on the property uh, back when I was like 13 or 14 with my parents. And uh, we had always had like a JD350 or D uh, D3. And then getting this thing and hooking up to the winch to something, I've been a lot more impressed what I can pull. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, dude, so they made some of those with the like an Esco swing booms on them. And uh-huh. uh, like... I've seen guys like they'll rip those booms apart. You know, if you get in a weird spot and, and forget to say, whoa, and a hard pull, like the booms will come in too. And it's just, it's always been impressive to me, the amount of pull that those little machines have. Yeah. I've, uh, we run, we don't run huge cable on it. We run five, eight swedge, but we've, uh, we definitely have broke the cable more times than I'd like to admit. I'll, I'll put it to you this way. Oregon Pacific, our rig and shop over in North Bend, they know my know me by name at this point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. So besides logging and dirt work, what else do you like to do outside of work? Oh, I, I think I'm your normal guy as far as that goes. We like hunting, or I like hunting and fishing and 
Um, I've got myself a dirt bike. Um, I like camping. Just kind of, and I uh, build four by four pickups every now and then, and try not to wreck them. But every now and then it happens. Um, get having a little too much fun, and so that's my next project. Is the project I just finished? I got to restart it all over again. <laughs> so I'm a, I guess you'd call it. I'm a backyard mechanic as well, a hobbyist mechanic. Well, there you go. At least you got a good start out on tools for fixing equipment when you need to. Yeah, Harbor Freight and I are pretty good friends at this point. Dude, I'm not going to lie. Their impact <laughs> sockets are almost like, they're really hard to beat, honestly. Yeah, I've been pretty impressed with even like their some of their chromie sockets. I've, I, I don't know if OSHA listens to your podcast much, but I've definitely ran some of their chromie sockets on impacts and I've never had any issues with those darn things. That's what I'm saying, dude. Like they're pennies on the dollar to all the tool truck brands. And then if you break a socket and you go on the tool truck and they look at it and they go, well, you ran this on an impact. And I'm like, dude, it's a $65 socket. I need it replaced. And they're like, well, we can't warranty it if you use it on an impact. Well, I'll just yep. go get a Harbor Freight one, dude. They'll be happy to exchange it. Yeah, I went into Napa because I got this shovel, and I was like, "Man, I need some need some big wrenches so I can turn some of these damn hydraulic lines off." And um, they wanted like three hundred and sixty bucks for their cheap Evercraft brand, and I went over to Harbor Freight and got the same pack of wrenches for sixty seven bucks or sixty nine dollars. Yeah, it's like yeah, what's the difference? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like they man. both say made in China, so. Yeah. I like to call them uh, cartoon wrenches. My buddy Mitch uh, coined that term because they're like huge wrenches like guys in the cartoons always have. But, I mean, also, you're always just going to beat the shit out of them with a hammer and stuff. Like, you get into the two yep. inch and above wrenches from Snap-on, they're like 400 bucks a piece. I'm not going to hit a yeah. wrench that I paid 400 bucks for with a four-pound hammer. I'm not going to pull that expensive a wrench out of my safe. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, it's crazy, man. Like some things I will say the snap on angle wrenches are badass because they have different angles on them than most brands, but it's just one of those things where it's like, I don't use that stuff enough to justify the kind of money that they want for them. Well, see, that's another thing too. As long as you've got yourself a, a rosebud and a vice, you can go buy yourself a couple extra Harbor Freight wrenches and put the angle on it you need anyway. Yeah, you're not wrong. Well, that's the thing, too, right? Like, um, I got an air hammer, too, with a blunt, like, poking bit on it. Like, you can get some pretty tight hydraulic lines apart with the air hammer. If you're careful, you don't even have to sand the fitting when you're done. Yeah, I I learned that from uh, Chris Siemens oh, one day. He Chris. was out here. Yep, he was out here working on my excavator. I, uh, I think I bent. Yeah, I bet one of the auxiliary lines on the the steel hard lines on the oh, yeah. stick boom of the excavator, and uh, we I for some reason he's like, "Hey, you've ever seen this done before?" And I was like, "No, let's see it done." <laughs> and that just blew my mind. Yeah, we man. didn't need to do it that way, but he brought it up, and I was like, "Yeah, do it. That's my machine. Do it. I yeah. want to see it." Right. <laughs> no, that's funny. That's I like that guy a lot. Yeah, I. Uh, I was pretty upset when Pape lost him, but I mean, it is what it is. He's, we still hang out and, um, he actually came and got some firewood from me the other day. I got all this firewood down here and 
um, to the point where I've got too much of it. So I'm going to start putting it on burn piles because I don't want to cut it. I don't have the time to cut it for one. And for two, we've cut enough for us to use. So, um, anybody in the local area wants firewood, come and get it. Copy. <laughs> so, I, yeah. Um, <clears throat> Dude, my mind is just shot today, and I don't know why. So I apologize for this, but no, you're good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like some days where you're like, "Oh, oh yeah," and then you start thinking about some shit that you should be thinking about three days from now. Um, so what has been like one of your biggest challenges, like keeping your business going? Do you think? Oh, hmm. That's a that's a pretty good question. I think I think that kind of has the same answer for me as the the biggest struggle with business is gotcha. the whole back just stuff. business aspect of yeah. it. Yeah, the back end of the stuff. I just I am not a huge fan of that. I I'm not gonna lie one bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally understandable, dude. It's completely boring, and I hate it too. Today's episode is also brought to you by Emerald Valley Thinning. Based in Rennes, Oregon, but working year-round outside Vanita, they are currently taking applications for rigging hands, shovel operators, processor operators, and a low boy driver. EVT has steady year-round work, and they offer good pay and a couple of benefits. Call or text Travis at 541-760-6194 or call the office at 541 929 5035 for listeners of the landing podcast they're offering a free drug test a physical and a free evt hat when you hire on if you want to hear more about travis and emerald valley thinning check out episode nine of this podcast you know and i think there's a lot of people out there that really do and it's uh one of those things where instead of having like an aa class we should have a class set up for guys to go and complain about having to do their business the back end of the business side yeah and then have like some guru there that's like oh actually if you know this one little trick it makes it so much easier yes i think that's a great idea dude i would totally pay to go to that yep i think so we should instead of uh, the aol we should set up another one that's similar to that but with business <laughs> dude i think we're on to <laughs> something here I, I don't I don't see how we can go wrong. I mean, it, I'd probably definitely be happy to sit through that and learn something to make little tricks. Because I know there's, I use QuickBooks, and I know there's tricks to this QuickBooks that I haven't quite figured out yet. And my CPA tries to teach me a little more here and there every year. And it seems like as soon as I walk out the door of his office, I've already forgot what he told me. I have that exact problem with people's names. Yep. <laughs> as soon as someone introduces themselves to me, I'm like, cool. I know this person. I'm like, well, what's their, I don't know their name anymore. <laughs> yep. I'll remember their phone number before I'll remember their name. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, let's see. Going down the list here. Uh, <clears throat> what's one lesson that you wish you wouldn't have had to learn the hard way? Probably bidding, bidding jobs. I think for me on the excavation side, it would probably be the best one to say because I've definitely lost some money doing that the wrong way to learn to do it the right way. And I think if I probably would have taken a 
some sort of business class or something. I think there's got to be something out there at this point to give you a better handle on the situation. Uh, that probably would have been a better, better uh, way to go about it. No, that makes sense. It's, it's tough, man. Even like with the photography stuff, cause you, like I run into guys all the time. They're like, man, that'd be so cool to have you out. And I'm like, Hey, you know, I charge good money for this and it's, you know, fair market value for what I do. But it seems like some people just don't put the value on that, that others do. And you got to kind of sort through those kind of people. Right. And that's one thing I've learned too is, is, uh, no matter what anybody else says, what, what you decide your worth is, that's what your worth is. And you've got to stick with it. Yeah. I learned that the hard way, actually a couple times, <laughs> but I don't know, man, what, uh, what advice would you have for someone who's kind of looking to go out on their own and start their own business? Cause you kind of just sounds like you jumped into it and learned as you went. Was that what you would suggest for, you know, somebody looking to get into business for themselves? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. One of my good buddies, he came to work for me, uh, and well, it's been about over a year ago and he just went out and bought his own dump truck and he was driving dump truck for me and, uh, the business paid for him to get a CDL and he drove for me for a year. That's kind of one of those things that I asked for. Hey, if you're going to leave, at least give me, give me a year of your time. And I, I don't hold it against anyone to go out and chase their own dreams. I mean, that's, that's what we're here for chasing the American dream. Uh, but use social media. There's a lot of guys out there that are willing to give you advice that is free. It's all free. Yeah. Just reach out to people and talk to them. I mean, a lot of us younger guys that we all talk with each other anyway. I mean, we don't mind talking to other people too, that are thinking about making the plunge. Yeah. I mean, so would you be cool if people wanted to reach out and ask you questions? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, uh, talked to Ryan Kirkpatrick for a few months before he even started his own business. I don't think I was the deciding factor of it, but I definitely told him, yeah, make the plunge, man. You're, you're never going to be as happy as you are pulling your hair out, running your own business. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Well, I also feel like it's one of them things too. Like I'm at a point where I don't want to be 65 years old sitting in a rocket, like a recliner and going, man, you know, I wonder what would have happened if I would have went for it. Absolutely. Yep. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, yeah, uh, it, it feels risky every day. And, but at the end of the day, it's, it's cool to say, yep, I, I did that and I started here and now I'm right here doing something completely different than I started out doing. Yeah. Well, that's kind of where you're heading, right? Like, is that your yeah, plan? Yeah, I think so. I, you just get into logging full-time or like what is your I plan think so. I think, I think we, I would, I would like to see myself being more on the logging industry side. There's, there's a lot less politics as far as city, county, state, waiting on all the, all the laws and the permits and everything to go through and DEQ and all that stuff too. I mean, logging has their side too with ODF and whatnot, but I mean, the homeowners sometimes are, I mean, some of them are better than others. I, we all have bad experiences, of course. So I don't want to get too deep into that, but I think, uh, yeah, I think that's kind of where we're headed is more into the logging industry, road building side of it. And you've built, like you said, you built some logging roads before. Um, 
how hard is that, you know, compared to just regular old dirt work? Um, so most of what we've done in the past, uh, was we're just, we, I started out with a dump truck and an excavator. So somebody would call me as a road builder and we'd be hauling rock for the road builder. And now we've kind of taken the little 85 G road builder, I call it, and (laughs) go out and build road with it in the dozer. And, you know, I, some guys will be a lot faster than me with their bigger machines, but I can move some damn dirt with it. And if you sit in the seat longer than the guy with the bigger machine, you're going to get as much done. Yeah, true. You just got to be a little bit more determined. That's right. Yep. Uh, like we were talking about earlier, you got to be a little bit crazy. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> the thing, dude. It's like, this got to be a little nutty. Yep. I think yeah. You got to wake up and way. yeah. I, oh, I'm, I'm not arguing a bit. It's uh, I heard on another podcast a long time ago is if you wake up in the morning, you get kicked in the nuts to get kicked in the nuts again, and then you get back up and you get kicked in the nuts again and just keep going about your day the same way. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, too, that I've learned is, like, you can't take any of this shit personal. Yeah, like, 100%. You can things bother you. Yeah, because there's going to be a lot of things that come out of nowhere that you weren't expecting, like oh, home sites. Oh, the weather changed now. Now, oh man, but I can't let it ruin my day because that's going to affect my relationship at home or with my friends that I work with too. So I mean, it's yeah, it, it's definitely you can't let shit go to your head. That's for sure. Is that a hard line to walk? Sometimes working with your friends, we kind of touched on it earlier, but like, have you ever had any like falling outs over that? Um, you know, yes and no. Um, it's, it's always remended itself and it's never been like an issue where work is work and after work is we're after work. I mean, we, uh, I don't consider myself to be too wild of a boss cause I've had some bad bosses in the past. And I tell my guys, if I'm getting to be that way, tell me right now, we're friends. You can tell me that first. I don't want to be that guy. So I'm hoping that I'm walking the line of being a good boss and not stepping on any of my friends' toes. But yeah, you're not wrong. It's definitely there's a fine line between I need I need production, but I also want to keep my friendship too. Yeah, because I know like working with family sometimes is hard, and I would imagine working with friends sometimes has that kind of same weird tension. You know, if you let it get there. Yep, I would I would say absolutely and. Uh, good communication is probably the best, not just at work, but after work too. Just talk, talk to your guys about it. See how they're feeling. I mean, it, it sounds weird, but I mean, we're in 2023. Talk to your guys about how they're feeling and tell them they get, did a good job. Tell them they did a bad job. I mean, let your people know and they'll work harder for you. No, I think that's a big deal too, is um, like I've never had employees, but I've, been an employee for quite a while and it seems like all the good bosses that you work for there always is that line of communication you know like if you just want to go up to them and vent or something and you know kind of get your frustrations out a bit and talk about it like those are the guys you're going to work a little bit harder for absolutely yeah night i would tell both of the guys that are working for me right now come yell at me all you want i don't care if it's about me about somebody else, about something's happening at work. If you need to get something off your chest, 
<laughs> do it. Bring it on. Let's go. That's cool. There's, it's an open door thing, man. And I, I feel like if you, that's another thing with industry nowadays, not just on the logging side, but even the construction side is it's always been one of those work hard, keep your feelings in and whatever. I mean, I can understand it to a little bit, but you also get a toxic workplace when you start working like that all the time. Yeah. Things are definitely changing. I mean, like <laughs> when I worked on the road, dude, there'd be a lot of these older guys, you know, in their fifties, you know, coming up on 60 or something. And you show up in the morning with like an energy drink or a soda. You get that whole, you ain't never worked a day in your goddamn life. You ain't drinking black coffee, <laughs> you know? And it's just hey. like, I don't know. Things are different nowadays. Yeah. And I think it, it's, it's for the good in some aspects. Some of it, I think, you know, I think there's got to be a fine line with that as well. Just like working with friends and family. There's, there's a fine line with feelings and emotions at work too. I mean, if you let too much out, then it's just like with your friends. I mean, shit's going to go bad eventually. Yeah. I, I definitely think you still need to have thick skin, you know, because yeah. shit goes bad and, you know, people get frustrated and you can't, you know, you can't let that bug you when it's not even, you know, even if it is something you fucked up or whatever, like you got to be able to move on from that. Yeah. That's like my cousin today. He's, he's completely new to this. He's worked at the forest service for the past 10 years of his life and he's never measured a log and we don't have a processor. We've got to pull through and chainsaws and, He's uh, measuring out logs and he grabbed the tape wrong and pulled on it and kinked it and broke it in half. And he, he got all upset. And I was like, what are you upset for? They make new tapes every day, man. Don't hold that shit in. It, you're fine. Who cares? Yeah, dude. We got new tape. It's not a big deal. <laughs> you're funny. learning. Well, and that's part of the process too. I feel like um, <clears throat> a lot of people hold themselves to the standard of you can't ever make a mistake. And I feel like if I never would have made any mistakes, I never really would have learned much. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I still make mistakes every day. I, you, if you don't, if you're not making mistakes, are you really actually learning or are you not trying hard enough? Well, that's just it too. And like, are you even doing enough if you don't fuck something up every now and then? <laughs> that's right. Yep. And that's a, another thing too, is those, those grapples on those machines are a lot, more powerful than I ever imagined. And I've definitely blown several logs in half and been like, well, there goes that wood. That's going straight <laughs> to the pulp pile. Awesome. Right. <laughs> yeah, dude, those things will get rowdy if you let them. Yeah. I've, I've decided that I'm just going to take it when I'm done with this job here. We're longing for my parents right now. So I'm just going to bring it right over to my shop and lay the grapples in the shop and weld some big old balls right on the end of those grapples and maybe stop that a little bit better till I get used to it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not uh, a bad idea. Like uh, some, like 4140, that turn ground and polish, 4140 you can get at like some of the smaller steel suppliers. A lot of guys use them, use it for like pins. That's a good option okay. to put on the end of there. Okay, and that'll make it a little more roundy so I don't just pinch right through it. Because these are pretty worn out. I mean, the machine's got just almost 17,000 hours on it. So I would imagine the grapples have been on there just as long too. They've got weld marks on them from hard facing. Yeah. The tips so. are getting sharp. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's definitely part of my issue I'm having. 
Have you seen the North Face grapple tips? I'm not sponsored or affiliated by them in any way, by the way. I just think it's a cool But there is an option. (laughs) No, I haven't. I put, I don't know, I've put, what, uh, five sets of those on now? They're um, solid. You know how the single leg on your grapple is hollow? Mm Mm-hmm. And then the split legs are two laminated plates. And like when you wear through the weld on those, it'll get shit stuck up in there and it'll start like prying them apart. These, uh, okay. The North face grapple tips, they're totally solid. Like you cut the end of your legs off and weld them on full pin, weld them on. And, uh, like they've been really good for the people I've put them on for. I'll be damned. I'll have to take a look at that. Yeah. That, like, like I said, I don't have nothing to do with those guys or anything, but they're, uh, it seemed like they're a really good product. Like Tyler Schmunk that I had on the podcast, he was the first one around here to run them and he's got them on both his shovels now. Huh. You'll have to text me that info once we get off here. Cause I already forgot what you said. It was North, <laughs> Northwest grapple, North, North face grapple tips, North fat, North face. Okay. Yeah. Dude, they're so you in... said you don't remember names. That's what it is. I don't remember anything. <laughs> product related anybody tells me that's funny yeah they're up in canada i keep trying to get the guy on here but he's like man i i don't really want to do it because i don't talk super good but he talks fine he's just super canadian well that's fine i stutter too every now and then when i talk (laughs) (laughs) yep so but yeah i'll send you i'll text some pictures to you yeah hell yeah that'd be sweet but i don't know man i'm pretty much through everything I had, unless you want to add something else. Uh, ghost energy. You like those things? Cause, yeah, because you always ask at the end oh, of the podcast, yeah. what's your favorite energy drink, and I beat you to it. Oh, dude, you're right. My phone was my phone was <laughs> over that question. Yes. You yeah, like I, I like the ghost energies, yep. Oh. Uh, I, think, I think it was Kirkpatrick that actually sent me a picture of him one day, and I was like... Uh, it was an orange cream sickle or something like that. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go give that a shot. And yeah, I'm, I'm pretty well hooked on the damn thing. I'll be damn. I'm going to have to try the orange one. Yeah. It's, it tastes like a cream sickle that's melted down and there's no sugars in it or nothing like that. So, I mean, how bad can it really be for you? Yeah, true. If there's no sugar, it's good. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, dude, now that I found my other couple questions, one more for you. Uh, what's your favorite snack from the grab and go store? Ooh, I like that, uh, like Cajun trail mix, like the rancher's mix Ooh. with the peanuts and the sesame sticks and stuff. Okay. Cause that's pretty easy when you're in a machine, you sit there, grab a handful and throw it in your craw and eat it for a while. So yeah. I, I like, I like that quite a bit. Huh? I'm going to have to, dude, I'm going to have to try both of these things now. Yep. Well, you're welcome ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, cause like, uh, I've been working on not being fat anymore. And so like sugar-free stuff and stuff like that, like I'm always trying to find things that are good. Cause like I enjoy misery. So sometimes I'll just eat like broccoli and stuff, you know, for lunch or whatever. (laughs) And I'm like, man, this is not as good as a hamburger, but it's way better than like being huge, you know? I, and I think uh, I I like that snack mix too because the, it's got enough spice to it where you only eat a couple handfuls from it and you're like yeah that, well that fills me up just right either that or I'm kind of a pussy and that was really hot 
Well, dude, see, that helps too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so where can people find you on the internet? Your Instagram is RL Excavations. Yep. yep. Um, and that's connected right to my Facebook too. And then I think my uh, TikTok is RL Excavations 19. And I think there might be some underscores in there. I have to look. Okay. Yeah, I'll figure it all but, out and yep. I'll put it in the show notes down below. Yeah, I'll uh, text you a video of off the TikTok. That way you've got the little link there too. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Well, cool, man. I appreciate your time tonight and uh, hopefully I'll see you at the log show. Uh, you will see me at the log show and it was a pleasure speaking with you and we'll see you then. Cool. Thanks, Rick. We'll talk to you later. Yep, bye. See ya. Hey, everyone. This episode of The Landing is also brought to you by me. If you want to see what I can do to help your business, maybe talk about some social media strategies or how to use some really nice professional photos or video work, come see me at the Oregon Logging Conference, February 23rd through the 25th. I'll be in space number 65 in the Performance Hall. Also going to have some hard hat stickers there, a little bit of swag. And uh, we're going to raffle off an axe. More details on that later. Thanks for listening.